from the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It's the Craig Needles Podcast here at ClassicRock981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca, wherever you get your podcasts, we're there too. I wanted to bring Mike Moffat back onto the podcast because there's some interesting stuff going on when it comes to housing in the Canadian uh, political ecosystem. Mike, of course, is a founding director at the Place Center. And when we want to talk about housing and how it relates to economics, he's, he's the guy we go to. So, Mike, thank you so much for doing this. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. So the big thing that I want to discuss was Pierre Polyev, who over the weekend put out his housing hell, how we got here and how we get out video. It's about 15 minutes long. Uh, the the numbers on X would say that 3.3 million times the number it has been viewed. I am uh, somewhat skeptical of X's accounting on that particular issue, but a lot of people have seen this thing. I, I, I think that much we can say with, uh, with a high degree of certainty. So what did you think of what he had to say about housing? Which if you look at the polling and look at the, the demographics, this is an area where he is doing better than the liberals as far as uh, communicating with the Canadian public goes quite clearly. Yeah, no, he's he's absolutely uh, cleaning up, uh, particularly with, with young Canadians. So bef- before we even get into the, the, the content of the message, you know, I, I think it's important to, to talk about, you know, what he's done here. You know, this that created the, this 15 minute video, which explains a complicated issue in depth. And I think it does a really fantastic job of laying out uh, how the conservatives see the world on this, that it, you know, the first five minutes are, you know, discussion of, of the problem and how it affects uh, everyday Canadians. The next five minutes is how we got to this situation. And the, the final five minutes is how the conservatives would solve it. So I think it's brilliant. I think it's, you know, it, it does a really good job of, of telling a story it's easily accessible and you know hate the plan or love the plan you can't criticize the conservatives for sort of hiding what they're going to do you know they are upfront about how they view the problem and how they're going to solve it so it's not surprising to see them do this well i would contrast it to jugmeet singh and the ndp who you know you know they don't have anything like this and you'll you'll see him uh, you know, go on TV and, and talk about, well, we need more affordable housing and he'll get pressed by the media. Okay, well, how do you do that? It's like, well, you just make the housing more affordable. Uh, you know, very hand wavy, you know, traditional sort of politician talking in 10 second sound bites. So I think this is really refreshing as far as the form of the content goes. I'm going to have some quibbles about the content itself, but the fact that they've done something like this where they do uh, politics in full paragraphs, as my friend Jesse Helmer likes to say, I think it's phenomenal. Uh, yeah, I I like it too because it's not super technical in language. I think it's very accessible is what I would say. And again, I, I've got some quibbles with the content that, that you and I will get to, uh, but it's very accessible. And the explainer as far as, hey, here's what's going on right now. I thought that part was really good because I think people may, while they obviously understand rent's really expensive and buying a house is really expensive, but they may not understand why. And I thought that part was really good and made a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I do as well. So, you know, if I'm kind of grading these sections, I would give the, the first section like a nine and a half out of 10. I thought it, I thought it was uh, phenomenal. 
where, you know, he talks about the data, you know, talks about, you know, the high rents, high prices. I really like the section where he talks about, okay, here's, here's what's going on, you know, on the Canadian side of the Niagara region. And here's what's going on in the American side. And, you know, talking about that disconnect. I thought it was fantastic. And I also like the fact that this was, you know, this was done in his own voice. This was not, you know, them getting a voice actor to, uh, you know, kind of criticize the government or things like that. Like he is, he is owning this message. You know, there were a few things that I thought were, were a little bit silly, you know, talking about the amount of land that Canada has. I'm like, well, okay. Yeah. That, that I mean, that's true, but you know, not a lot of people want to go out and live in northern Manitoba. Yeah. So, you know, the you Arctic Circle how... is not a great place to build housing, apparently. Yeah. Well, that's it. You know, <laughs> I, I'm sure the, the folks in Churchill, Manitoba, you know, love, love it up there, but it's not for everyone. So, you know, some of the arguments were a little bit silly, but overall, you know, nine and a half out of 10, I think it was, I, I think his description of the challenges that everyday Canadians are facing was was super um so so you know only only quibbles there uh, yeah that that's what i would say too because that's the stuff that is going to draw the biggest response as well just as a political tool because there are a lot of people that maybe not even necessarily so i'm i'm, I'm 38 but people who are even three four years younger than me they look at the housing market and say they're doomed. Even some people, of course, my age and, and older than me, but I, I, people like three, four years behind me, they're the ones that are in a really rough spot here. And when someone says, hey, here's why this has happened. Here's why you're in this position. I, I, people are going to listen and take notice, I think. Well, absolutely. And I think it's also a bit of a defensive uh, measure for Polyev because you get a lot of people who are, you know, you, uh, uh, old enough to be our parents who, who might not get the issue. You know, it might be of that like, well, if you just, you know, stop buying a latte every day, you'd, you'd be able to afford a home. So I think it, it, it Polyev is kind of using that to talk to an older audience and say, no, this this really is important. You know, I'm not sort of wasting my time talking about this issues it's it's not that young people are too soft there is a real problem here so so i do think you know you have to keep in that mind that this is going to be watched kind of across the age spectrum and uh yeah you know folks uh you know under 40 tend to really get this issue but you know if you haven't if you you haven't bought a home since 1987 you might not uh, quite realize how bad things are out there all right so the other two sections are uh, how did we, so he explains very well that this is a mess. The next portion of this is how this mess happened. What did you like and not like about that part of what he's done here? Yeah. So he, he has a, what we call kind of a theory of change of, of, you know, kind of, okay, what, what, what caused this to happen and, and how can we get it out of here? And it was, it was in two parts. He basically said there, there are two things that are going on. So I'll start with the one I liked. Uh, which is is talking about uh, you know municipal red tape and taxes and and fees. I think there's you know I think there's something to that you know and you, you know you you've had a lot of guests on talk about this uh, you know talk about these these issues some who uh, agree with you and you know one notable person who didn't agree <laughs> with you and I absolutely love that episode and, and Thank kudos you. for you for 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 having him on and letting him have him has say I thought that was that was fantastic I I appreciate that Mike Thank you. 
but but you, you know i think there's something there there's a, there's a there there um you know you do have to question a little bit okay well what does that have to do with, with the federal government when we know that municipalities are creatures of the province but it's also something that the federal government has picked up on uh through the housing accelerator trying to use federal funds to buy reforms from municipalities so yeah i thought that part was was quite reasonable and and i look at that go yeah he's got a point the second part which i thought was a little goofier maybe was his his talk of um you know federal deficits and the bank of canada and 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 things like that you know he's not necessarily wrong that the fiscal and monetary policy can can absolutely play a role in in asset price appreciation whether it be real estate or stocks or something else so it's not you know it's not a bananas theory but for my mind there's a huge disconnect here when he spends a couple minutes talking about how cheap things are in the united states relative to canada and then starts talking about deficits has he seen the size of American debts and deficits? Um, you know, the American deficit right now is $1.7 trillion. That's not the debt. That's the deficit. If we put that into Canadian dollars and just put it into weekly terms, that the size of the U.S. debt is growing by $44 billion a week. Oof. That is a week. That is faster then that is more than the Canadian federal debt grows in a year. Okay, so let's just understand. So we can't explain they, that away by population sizes is what you're saying. <laughs> well, well, that's just it. So if we even go per capita, it's about five to six X faster in the United States. So to my mind, that's, this is where the argument falls down. It's like, okay, we should be more like the U.S., but but we should also reduce our deficit. Right. And, and in my mind, that's like a baseball team saying, you know what, we need more team speed. So we're going to go out and trade for Alejandro Kirk. Like, <laughs> like it just, it, it, it kind of falls apart there when you, you diagnose the problem and say Canada bad, U.S. good. And then you say the solution is to be, uh, the problem is that, you know, we're, we're too, uh, too like the U.S., you know, it just, you yeah. know, and we should be. And this isn't you know, even you putting words in his mouth, though, because he's the one bringing up real estate listings, listings from either side of Niagara Falls. So well, well, that's just it. Yeah. Like it's, it's his own argument, right? That that uh, you know Canadian real estate is really expensive and U.S. real estate is really cheap. So therefore, we should be more like the U.S. But then he's saying, "Oh, well, we got to cut our deficit." Like, just look what the Americans are doing. So, my mind, that part falls apart there so you know i think that argument doesn't make any sense like it just directly contradicts what he said earlier but then i would also look at all the things he didn't uh talk about so he didn't talk about uh the role that population growth is playing and you know the the vast growing numbers of international students relative to student residences didn't really talk about that didn't really talk about the fact that we're having issues building all these homes because we don't have enough electricians, plumbers, roofers, and so on. You know, didn't m mention labor markets. Didn't really mention much about uh, slow uh, provincial and federal approvals, which is kind of odd since he's running for prime minister. So, so you know, he made two arguments. One I think makes sense. The other one doesn't make sense, but then kind of ignored a lot of other stuff that's uh, that's going on. 
Yeah, uh, I, I noticed a few things that were missing from that as well. Uh, he did mention, you know, homes built per capita and things along those lines and noted that, you know, the number of homes we built last year was not dissimilar to a year somewhere in the 70s. Uh, I forget exactly what year. And, and OK, that that makes sense. All right. Build more housing. That sounds good to me. Uh, but the other stuff it just Really, I, I feel that the solution, maybe I'm being too too simplistic here, is just to build more housing. And the other stuff we're discussing here is kind of getting in the way of that or, or at least uh, obfuscating what the actual goal should be. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so we, you know, again, he's not wrong there that we are building fewer homes than we did 40 years ago. Absolutely correct. Uh, or 50 years ago, sorry. Absolutely correct. But the challenge is, you know, okay, well, what's preventing us from doing that? And he's only identified one thing, uh, you know, municipal red tape and development charges and, you know, all of these things that municipalities are doing wrong. And again, fair enough, that is an issue. But there's all of these other things that are preventing us from building more homes. And then the obvious one is also just government building homes. You know, we've been basically out of the social housing game for, for over about 30 years. That's not mentioned at all. Um, now, which which is a choice, and you know, Polyev has said himself that uh, you know he doesn't believe governments building homes is uh, is is part of the solution, which is which is absolutely fine. But yeah, that's the part where where uh, you know I think this kind of falls down, where he doesn't you know he just has this said okay if we can just build more homes with one simple trick, and that's you know get municipal red tape out of the way, and I think that's far more complicated than that. Um, so, yeah, we can talk about uh, I- immigration levels and things along those lines. I don't think he wants to discuss that because he wants new Canadians to vote for him. And he doesn't want to see the, this to be seen as as him pinning this problem on, uh, on new Canadians. Uh, and, and to be fair, I don't blame the people who have come to Canada for this issue. I blame the people who are running things in Canada for that not there not being enough houses when they get here. Those are the people who I point my finger at here. Yeah, 100%. It's not, you know, the, the job of an 18-year-old kid in, in Bangkok who wants to come over and, and study at a Canadian college. It's not his or her role to fix the Canadian housing system. Uh, you know, it's the, it's the role of, of our elected uh, politicians. But yeah, he's uh, Polyev is really trying to avoid that conversation, trying to avoid it, uh, you know, just running away from it, kicking and screaming. And not just the immigration one, but looking at uh, things like temporary foreign workers and international students that is a conversation he's clearly not comfortable with. And I think that's I, I think that's a problem. And again, you can solve it one of two ways that, you know, if you're looking at, the, you know, student enrollments, you can either solve it by having those enrollments go down or having some plan to build more student housing. But that's essentially absent from this whatsoever, despite the fact that we know, you know, particularly in the London area, you know, how many single family homes are getting bought up and turned into student rentals for for Fanshawe Western students. Uh, You know, that is a big reason why first time home buyers have trouble finding homes is because they're competing with investors who have deeper pockets and are able to convert those homes into student rentals and make more money that way than, again, uh, first-time homebuyers can can compete with. 
You and I have talked about that before, too. Uh, and we've talked about instances where there's been fires at those types of homes. And then the fire inspector gets in there and says, well, nothing that was going on here was legal. So it's dangerous. It is uh, unethical, I think, is very, very, it's certainly illegal. Uh, but this is a very common tale near Western and Fanshawe right now because of the high number of students who don't have a place to go and the people who see this as an opportunity to make a buck. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a really good point when in the context of the Polyev video, because, again, the Polyev's uh, focus is, OK, well, you would just need to get rid of municipal red tape. But some of that municipal red tape is things like those inspectors, you know, who who make sure that uh, or, or, you know, that you don't have 15 students uh, living living in a home. Um, you know, so like we're, we're actually understaffed there. And I think our housing system would work a lot better. In fact, if we had more uh, municipal in- inspection, particularly when it comes to uh, rules around, you know, the number of people who can be in a home and, and those kinds of things. So what about is how we fix it? I know that kind of gets into the how we got here because some of it is how we fix this stuff is, is in relation to government spending. And you've already said that you, you you think it's dubious to necessarily link these two things. But how when it comes to how we have their, how we have more homes in Canada, how we get more people with accessible places to live, how would you rate his, uh, his, his thoughts on that issue? Yeah, so I think overall um that if you if you buy his theory about what's causing um what what's causing the the housing system to be so broken then the solutions at least high level make sense that he says okay it's it's government debt and it's uh municipal red tape so my plan addresses both fair enough uh i think i think that is correct and you know i give him full points uh for connecting uh cause and effect and having policies that address the uh, the problems he he, he says there. So, uh, you know, I, I can't, you know, fault him there. I think the specifics, though, are where this really falls down, particularly, again, on the municipal side. So his viewpoint is that we shouldn't try to micromanage municipalities and say, okay, you know, fourplexes as of right and, you know, eliminate parking minimums or whatever. Okay, you know, that's, I think there's a, a reasonable debate that we have there. He says, okay, instead, we're just going to to pay for for outcomes. But there's a challenge there that, that first of all, that cities can only do so much in controlling, uh, you know, the amount that gets built. So, you know, London can do whatever it wants on, on zoning um, in other areas. Development charges, they have some leeway, but that's mostly provincial rules. But if things like high interest rates and a lack of electricians are preventing building starts, you know, there, there's nothing city council can do about that. So, you know, for incentives to work, you know, that the person that you're trying to incent actually has to be able to change, you know, the, the, that behavior. And municipal councils, while they do have some power, and I would argue are part of the problem, there's a lot that, uh, that they can't control. But I think the second one, and it goes back to the, the private members bill Polya puts in, it's just really strangely designed. So what the bill does is it identifies a bunch of high cost cities somewhat arbitrarily and then sets very arbitrary targets going, okay, well, whatever you built last year, you got to build 15% more. But that's a, that's a challenge because you might've had a good or bad year last year. So, you know, it's a very arbitrary target, but also, and very interestingly, politically, um, Polyev exempted a lot of cities on the 905 on that list. 
So Burlington, for instance, is not on one of the lists, uh, one of the cities that Polyev would regulate. Oakville is not one of the cities that Polyev would regulate, which is really, really interesting because any of your listeners been to Burlington or Oakville lately, they are insanely expensive and uh, and basically exempted from these rules. So it's interesting. Um, he just doesn't want to pick fights in the 905, I suspect. Want, well, 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 that's just it. You know, and the bigger municipalities are in there, like your, your Mississaugas, your, your Bramptons, mm-hmm. your, your Hamiltons. OK, fine. But a lot of a lot of York region and Halton region isn't in there, which is a choice, uh, to, to put it mildly. So. There, you know, I give them I give them full marks for having a, a set of policies that uh, address the issues that he's described. Where I start to take marks away is uh, is in the actual design of the programs that he set out. So how would you compare what he's talking about to what the federal government's talking about? Because I, I will say this for the federal government. I think in the last like basically ever since Sean Fraser has taken the portfolio, I think they've realized, oh, wait a minute, this is a real problem for us. And they seem to be actually doing some things. So I'll give them some credit there. It might be too little too late. But how would you compare what they've, the conservatives are talking about in this video to what the federal government wants to do? Yeah, so I think I think there are some similarities. So I think both uh, the liberals and conservatives recognize that we need municipal reforms. And so they're going about it different ways where the, the, the federal uh, federal government is doing all of these side deals with a bunch of different cities as part of the housing accelerator, London London being the first. I think that makes sense. I, I do think there are merits to Polyev's approach, which is faster and kind of across the board. You know, some of these uh, side deals are, you know, taking some time uh, to put together. Um, I think one thing that the federal government's getting right is, is recognizing the federal government's own rule in uh in in housing and, and making housing difficult to to build so you know the uh, the federal government for instance removed the hst on new purpose-built rental construction i think that's the right move i'm hopeful that the federal government uh does more moves in that direction i was a little bit disappointed they didn't in the fall economic statement so it's it's this really weird dynamic where you know outside of debts and deficits Polyev's kind of leaving the federal government off the hook. He's basically saying that the real problems municipalities, and I don't think that's entirely true. I think there's there's a bunch of things that the federal government could be doing, um, and I think there's a whole lot more that our provinces could be doing, and they're basically left out of this discussion entirely. So why do you think he wants to do that? Is it a matter of there's a lot of conservative premiers in this province, in these provinces, and he doesn't want to make any of them upset? Or am I being too simplistic there? Do you think? No, I I, I think that's I, I think that's fair, and I think as well um, that when when Polyev goes after cities again, as I mentioned, you know, not going over the after the. Um, Burlingtons and Oakvilles, he's really just going after the largest cities. And the largest cities tend to have NDP or liberal uh, aligned mayors. You know, so think of Olivia Chow in um, in Toronto. So it's a little bit easier for Polyev to do that because you don't you don't get this kind of inner party uh, type warfare. So absolutely, like most most of the Canada is uh, governed by conservative premiers, you know, the, the notable exception uh, being British Columbia, but 
So I think that is a lot to it that Polyev goes, okay, you know, my, my opponent is Trudeau and maybe some of these new Democrat and liberal mayors. My opponent is not Doug Ford. So I'm just going to kind of stay out of this fight. Yeah, that's as uh, as good an explanation as any. I, I, I find this entire thing fascinating. And, and I don't know if you uh, obviously you, you look at the polling regularly just like I do. It feels to me as though this is – this is really something that they, they may have already had their bed made for them, both the, uh, the good way and the, for the conservatives and bad way for the liberals, is that this was a, a hot potato issue. And the federal government, to, to be clear, could have solved some things here and didn't do it over the last eight years. And now the conservatives, just by being not Justin Trudeau and not the liberals, get to reap the political benefits of the mess that we're in, regardless of what they're actually proposing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Matt Iglesias, uh, a writer in the U.S., had a, a really good piece uh, earlier uh, mo- on Monday morning where, where he looked at, you know, incumbents getting trashed all around the world where, you know, the larger issues around affordability have been, you know, difficult for, you know, whether it be uh, Biden in the U.S. or the U.K. conservatives. So both on the left and right, incumbent governments are, are struggling right now. Um, so I think that's a lot of what's going on. But I, I think Polyev actually deserves a lot of credit. Like, yes, he was dealt a good hand, but he's played it really well. Uh, and, and again, as the sort of housing expert, you know, I, I quibble with, with with the policies and and some of his you know arguments about what caused this crisis. But he's talking about the crisis. He's making a coherent argument and he's putting out policy like two years before an election. So I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. I don't think this is just um, the government falling down on this. I I think Polyev has played uh, done a really good job on capitalizing on this again in a way that uh, Jugmeet Singh and the NDP haven't. That's. Or, you know, a lot of our left wing opposition parties like uh, like the Ontario NDP, for instance, I don't think have been fantastic on uh, on this issue. So I do think he deserves some credit because, you know, this is a multi party system and there's no reason why that the opposition to a government, whether it be the federal government or provincial government, you know, has to be in the conservatives favor. You know, the, the left could capitalize on this, but they really haven't. Uh, you know where I've been hearing a lot of sensible things regarding housing is from the Ontario Greens and Mike Schreiner. And they were awarded big time with that in Kitchener Center last week. And the NDP, a riding they held uh, the last two elections out, 2018-2019, uh, uh, they got absolutely smoked there. So it was was that the issue that kind of drove the bus there? Now, it was uh, someone who was tagged as being a, a NIMBY counselor who was the NDP candidate. Maybe that was part of it. I don't know. But uh, it's a situation where the, the failure to have coherent messaging on this issue is costing the federal liberals and it cost the provincial NDP this week, too. Like, and, and not just in polling, but in actual real life election results. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the the results in Kitchener are a bit of a perfect storm because obviously you've got the uh, the, the federal Greens, yep. uh, Mike Maurice have have the seat there, so they already had kind of a foothold there. But absolutely, I think that is playing a role. That the Mike Schreiner has been fantastic on on this file. Uh, you know, somewhat ironically, you wouldn't expect it from the Greens, but arguably he might be one of the most kind of yimby uh, politicians in in all of Canada. And I think they're 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 getting a re- reward for it. And 
you know, obviously the Ontario Liberal Party was a, a little bit distracted over the last uh, few weeks, but the yep. fact that they're not even getting double digits in in that riding, I think, is is really problematic for them because I don't I don't see any future provincial Liberal government if it doesn't take places like Kitchener. Yeah, you you need Kitchener Center, and you don't necessarily need to like run the gamut in Waterloo Region, but if you can't get Kitchener Center and you can't get Waterloo, you're probably you know before you even start, you're doomed. If you're well, the NDP of the Liberals, for sure. Well, absolutely. So I mean, there's 124 seats. Uh, there would be a couple more after the redistricting. Uh, you you know at the end of the day that you know there are about 35 or 40 rural seats that you're probably not getting. So you know you basically to get a majority you have to take two thirds of the rest. And if you're not getting those you know mid-sized urban centers, so uh, it's going to be difficult. And now I I think both the Liberals and NDP are going to have trouble uh, you know with with two Green Party seats because I don't see Schreiner going anywhere. So it just gets really difficult for either the liberals or or NDP to, you know, even get close to a majority if, you know, most of rural Ontario outside of the north is is off base for them. And then they start losing seats here and there to the Greens. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden it's a it's a three way split for the opposition. You're looking at uh, coalition governments if the if the PCs don't get a majority. And that's kind of the only the only way the progressive conservatives don't. Uh, don't form government. Uh, Mike, we'll leave it there. Anything else that you wanted to add about the video or, or what else is going on in the, in the housing, uh, uh, housing political discussion right now before we wrap up? Yeah, I, I think that uh, I, I'm hopeful that the liberals, NDP, Green and sort of fellow travelers don't just look at this video and kind of blow it off and go, oh, OK, I don't agree with those arguments and it's poly being poly I would love to see them have their own version of this where, where they tell, you know, tell their story in a really, uh, really accessible way. And it's just it's off, it's often too easy for, for partisans to just kind of, you know, nitpick and blow things off. I think they should be taking this very seriously and seeing what they can learn from it and what's, uh, you know, how the, how they can uh, have their own version of this. Yeah, uh, do it accessibly and do it, you know, with numbers, with charts, and don't just have it be political rhetoric, but show people, hey, this is what we're going to do, and this is how it's going to help you. That's the way politics should work. Uh, we'll see if that's the way politics actually works. That's the way it should work, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I give a shout out to to my good friend, Jesse Helmer, who's always saying uh, politics in full paragraphs. I think that's what we need here. And again, I give uh, kudos, uh, full marks to Polya for doing that. We will leave the conversation there. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for uh, doing that with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. That's Mike Moffat, who's a founding director at the Place Center and joins us to talk housing when that's in the news. And, of course, you can find lots of housing news at LondonNewsToday.ca, where you can also find this podcast. Also, ClassicRock981.com and wherever you get your podcasts. The Craig Needles Podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network. 